go, mighty one, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellbird, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. Welcome to Spellburn. There's been a lot of phlogiston in the air recently, as the 2017 Any Award nominees were announced. And to our humble surprise, Spellburn was on that esteemed list. To get into the spirit, we asked the community to do a little pre-Any voting. We're going to go over some of those results this week. And there are some really entertaining ones in there. And we'll also share some of our personal favorites from the perspective of both player and judge. I'm Judge Jen, and with me are Judge Julian. Hello. And Judge Jeff. Hi. And with this, we'll roll right over into Tavern Talk. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give her a drink of your most expensive Tavern talk. So, now that we're in the tavern, we can talk about what we've done in gaming this past week. Um, let's start with you, Julian. Yes, thank you. Uh, it has been a fun week. I had a uh, little Advanced Dungeons & Dragons first edition action with my friend Gary Fortoin on Saturday. We played a little bit of uh, AD&D. Koroth Quem, my uh, my wizard who I like to, or excuse me, my magic user who I like to say second in power only to Morden Kanan. Uh, so we did a little we did a little delving, and uh, then last night we finished the last uh, part of the playtest for uh, the upcoming Halloween adventure by John Hook for DCC, uh, and that's called Shadow. I, Pretty sure this is right. Shadows under Devil's Reef, and it has partially a nautical theme and partially another great horror uh, appendix and theme, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you to Mr. Hook for having me in that, and we had uh, we had a good time, and uh, I think we surprised him by our. Um, greed and uh, single-mindedness and mostly caring about our own skins in the finale to that adventure, which was also amusing. How about you, Jeff? This past week, I've not actually had any opportunities to do any gaming other than, say, board gaming, because I was out camping in the middle of the woods with my family uh, in Montana. But when I first got out to Montana, I decided to check out the, the newly opened... Uh, friendly local gaming store in Great Falls, Montana called Retrofix Games. Went over there, introduced myself. Um, I explained to them that I was is, that that evening I was leaving for the mountains to go camping and that I would be coming back on the same day that I'm flying out. But I said that the next time that I come out, I would love to run Dungeon Crawl Classics for them. They, they run regular public games. They were very enthusiastic about the idea. Uh, so that should be exciting. I'm looking forward to running some games for some Montanans the next time I'm out there. Um, while I was camping with the family, we played some board games and some card games. And this week, I also adopted two adorable, amazing kittens named Hugh and Shanna. Uh, so I wanted to give them a little bit of a <laughs> shout out. Uh, and they're kind of crawling all around me right now. So if you hear little tiny mews in the background, that's why. Mew. Um, <laughs> mew. Mew. 
And I will cheat a little bit. Um, this wasn't last week, but the week prior to that, I did get to judge Moon Slaves of the Cannibal Kingdom for the DCC NYC meetup group. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it's the first time that my that my group managed to go into an adventure and not accomplish anything and <laughs> leave total and complete failures and leave in defeat. Uh, <laughs> that awesome. must have been awesome. Yes. <laughs> they failed in every endeavor and ended up shipwrecked and had to beg their god for a way to get off the island. How did they? Uh, how did they take this uh, lack of victory? <laughs> uh, in, in good spirits, uh, they. I think they recognized that it was well earned. <laughs> good, good. Is this campaign play? No, this was for the. This is for the regular road crew game. Okay, that doesn't preclude it from campaign play, but <laughs> oh, that's a good point. So I, I guess I should. I should add a little caveat to that in that um, my my DCC meetup groups, they are connected in the sense that we have the same group of characters, the same stack of characters they can choose from, um, but it's also very episodic. So the characters are developing and they're growing stronger, but you you may not have the same group of characters in one adventure that you'd have in the very next one. Uh, So it is kind of a campaign in that sense, but it's also a very episodic kind of campaign. Fair enough. Cool. Do you guys, so can you actually end up playing different characters? Like one character could have been run by three or four different people over the course of the, of its life. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I, I let people do is if they attend regular consecutive games, they can call dibs on a specific character. So if you end up attending three consecutive games, you're able to call dibs on a character. But then if you end up missing three consecutive games, you're going to lose dibs on that character. Hmm. Uh, so there, <laughs> there are a handful of people who have the same character they like to play every single time. But for the most part, people tend to kind of mix it up and keep it new and fresh. That's an interesting concept. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think my group would hate that. <laughs> All it takes is one player to just completely screw a character. That'd be uh, me. Yeah, usually. <laughs> usually. Um, well, Julian, uh, speaking of AD&D, this week uh, we continued in our second session of Keep on the Borderlands. I believe it was the 151st session of the AD&D campaign that's been going on here, where Bob is running everything pretty much in order. Um, and then Friday, we're going to wrap up some Star Wars action so that next week we can roll into Metamorphosis Alpha. And Sunday, we're hitting the friendly local gaming store up again for some more Lankmar playtests. Yay! There's new adventures coming out, and we're playtesting with our campaign characters, and I'm so excited, and I better stop talking now. Wow. <laughs> cool. Lucky, lucky people. <laughs> I, I don't underestimate it at all, and I get to be a player for it, which makes it extra special for me. Yeah. That's oh, cool. Oh, that is really cool. Yay! So I'm, I'm super excited for that one. And Metamorphosis Alpha, we've all kind of been jazzed up for it come on when are we getting back into that but we're trying to wrap up the other friday night game to a a halfway decent stopping point so we can start alternating every other week and Mm. then yeah i get to play in that one too yay not judging much (laughs) man (laughs) i'm slipping i'm sorry 
if that wraps it up, I suppose we'll go over and summon some emails. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered a message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. All right. We have a couple of emails in here. Um, who wants to take the first one? I'll take the first one. This one comes from my buddy, John Salyer. He says, hello, Spellburn crew. I'm so glad the podcast is back to a regular schedule. A big thank you to each of you for dedicating your time to this game we all love. Is there a chance you guys would have time to record an actual play session? I would love to hear each of you judge a game. Ultimately, I would like to play in a game at a con one day with each of you, but that maybe won't happen anytime soon. Thanks again, and keep on spellburning. First, I'd like to say he is actually in one of my con games at Gen Con, so he will at least be one, one, one third of the way. I don't know if he's signed up for any of Julian's games. And Jen, you're not running any on the book, right? Correct. Okay, Correct okay. in all of your phrasing, sir. <laughs> So mm-hmm. what about it, guys? Are we going to do an actual play session anytime soon? Yeah, Jen, what about it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I'm not completely close to the idea. I think maybe he should try to get to some more conventions to uh, even up his odds, though. <laughs> let's, let's, so let's say to Judge John that um, the the coterie of judges is having a lively discussion about this topic but (laughs) nothing has been yes (laughs) has had a had has had and is having a lively discussion on this topic but nothing concrete has been agreed so uh it's if people were to say swamp us with requests that would be interesting anything could happen so, hey, in, in the spirit of stuff in the ballot boxes, right? Right. All right. We've got one more in there. Uh, Julian, you want this one? Yes. And I will say the the author, DM Kojo, was one of my fellow playtesters so, in the uh, Shadows Under Devil's Reef, so that was fun. Greetings, Burners. In episode 51, you read an email that asked about non-DCC resources you used in your DCC games. I thought I would send along a few that I use frequently. First off, Enead Games has a lot of great resources on DriveThruRPG, including a lot of random item lists, which are available for download at a very cheap price. A few that I use often are 100 locations and rooms, 100 fantasy cult names, 100 potion and other drink names, and there are many, many name generators... Uh, from different cultures, and then he gives a link, which we will put in the show notes. Uh, For adventure seed ideas, I have found the random adventure idea generator in Frog God Games' Tome of Adventure design to be a great tool. It's also available on DriveThruRPG, and uh, that's a pretty cool item. I have that, and uh, it's fun to just page through. And uh, Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Kojo. (laughs) Stop Stop editorializing (laughs) in the middle of your email here. But we will post that link uh, as well. Uh, to resume, if you want a great template for fleshing out your NPCs, I highly recommend the article The Seven-Sentence NPC from Dragon Magazine number 184, August 1992, by C.M. Klein. 
Finally, if you can get a hold of Dragon Magazine Annual Number 5, published in 2000, it has a great set of charts for generating names for taverns, shops, and other common town businesses on the fly in two articles by Owen K.C. Stevens and Christopher West. Hope your listeners find these helpful. Thanks, DM Kojo. And I'm sure they will, so thank you, DM Kojo. Yes. Uh, That's very cool, and we will post those links uh, appropriately. And very topical as well. Indeed. Very timely. Thank you. And although I haven't used the Ennead Games lists, I'm also a big fan of the Tome of Adventure design. It really is a fantastic tool. Uh, I'm I'm also intrigued by these Dragon Magazine articles because I'm not familiar with these, and I'd really like to check out the Seven Sentence NPC. That sounds particularly interesting. And and also flipping through the Adventurer's Almanac, which a handful of us just got this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's going to help flesh out things a lot. I'm looking forward to using that. At this very moment, the Adventurer's Almanac is propped against the right side of my laptop to prevent kittens from walking onto the the screen. So I'm I'm already putting it to good use. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Michael Curtis. You'll never guess what we used your book for. (laughs) All right. So on that note, uh, you can always send us more mail at theband at spellburn.com. And again, feel free to stuff those ballot boxes one way or another on the previous topic. And with that, I think we'll roll over to Mighty Deeds. Let the combat begin! Why behold, our hero. So you want to play rough, eh? Let's take this. Mighty Deeds. All right, Mighty Deeds. Uh, You know, first off, before we even get into this too far, I have a small caveat here in that, honestly, calling anything the best of any topic is a misnomer. I mean, it's totally subjective. We're going more along the lines of the DCC favorites for this list. So, I don't know. Um, Jeff, what's one of the favorite adventures that you've played in? At North Texas, I was in the I was in Barrow Duel, and Edgar Johnson ran that, and I had so much fun in that. And I, and I know I spoke about that on the show a few episodes back, um, so I won't go into it in great detail again. But the really quick version is there were two tables going on simultaneously, and we're both going into the same dungeon, and there's a lot of PvP action, and it was just really fun and wild. Um, I, I, we just had so much fun at that game. Um, also, <laughs> oh, and then and one and one uh, one uh, very oh. <laughs> uh, well-known um, podcast personality died in that game. That's think, true, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Jason Hobbs was uh, taken oh, down right. by our team. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, oh, that's cool. I wish I would have been in that game. That sounded like a lot of fun. Oh, jeez. Yep. Him and his whole party were instantly TPK'd with a choking cloud. Sad but Excellent. true. I mean, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's a thing of beauty, no matter who's in that team, you know? <laughs> Another one that I had a lot of fun playing was also at a, at a convention, and it was uh, something that Harley Stroh ran. And it's something he's currently playtesting called The Heist. I don't know if that will be the name that it's published under. Um, oh, but- and Jen, you also played in that one. We weren't at the same table, but you were, you, right. were, you played it the following day. Right. It, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I had so much fun with it. There were a couple of notable 
instances during that game, but I I don't know that I would put it on one of my top, you know, very top three gaming experiences for DCC. For me, it, the 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 alchemy of the the players and the way it all kind of gelled together made it a really fun and memorable experience. There were there were four of us, and we ended up choosing two clerics and two thieves. And first off, I've never been in a party that was just two clerics and two thieves before. There's <laughs> all there's always a warrior. There's always a wizard. This time we didn't have a warrior or a wizard. We had our two clerics and our two thieves. And I don't know, like there was just something about. Uh, the way that like we all gelled together is a really fun uh, con game. I just and and Harley's energy is so great. It's the only time that I've I've played while Harley was running a game. So perhaps that's also uh, why okay, it that's was fair. so <laughs> that's, why that's it was so fair. specifically memorable for me. Yes, um, and I would also give a shout out to at the DCC NYC group. I when I'm playing, I'm usually judging. However, a few weeks ago, my buddy Mike ran the Frostfang Expedition, and I got to play in that one. And in it, my character ended up being able to operate this giant steel dragon, and I'm like breathing fire in this giant steel dragon. And my character ended up dying at the very end by plummeting to his death. Uh, he ended up like landing on top of a church steeple in the town below, impaled alongside with another character. Uh, so it was a memorable adventure, and um, so I think I think those would be my three favorite adventures that I have played in so far. Who wrote the Frostfang Expedition, Jeff? Who I don't know. I've heard the name, but I don't know who published it or wrote it or anything. Mark Bishop. Ah, okay, cool. I'll have to. Uh, I'll keep that on my radar. And obviously, we're going to have copious show notes uh, for this episode. So yes, if you. <laughs> curious about something i will be posting many 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 links uh on the website <laughs> so jen what would you say are your three favorite adventures that you've played in you know honestly the first gary con that i attended i i want to say 14 yes because uh, gen con you know we really don't have a whole lot of opportunity to play so our first gary con where we've got Games booked completely, we're not judging anything, and we sat down to a table with Michael Curtis running the first Phantasmagoria. It's also where we met David Beatty, which just made for an awesome table all around. Uh, But the first combat scene, everybody, I mean, to a person, is missing their attack rolls. And about the third or fourth round into this, Mike Curtis starts panning over okay and over in this other scene there's this desert this giant rock and arrows just keep plunking into it and it just made it so hilarious for us and every other round we're missing again with the projectiles and so meanwhile there's this rock and just the running gag technique for it uh, yeah it, it was it really made for a Okay, this is how even when players are down on their luck, their dice are all, you know, contriving to just kill them, the judge is still making it entertaining and enjoyable for the players, and holy crap, that was a learning experience. Um, cool. To kind of counter that, the same Gary Con, Doug ran his first session of Stout Fellas <laughs> after hours. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one. 
Oh, <laughs> so you're all playing dwarves, but you still roll up characters like your classes. You're just oh, okay. dwarven. You know, I think I ended up being a dwarfy dwarf. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we're all second level dwarfy something. And on that sheet that he has of 200 useless items to give out to people, Adam Miskevich got a poodle. <laughs> and he wanted the poodle to do all these crazy cool things, so Doug gave him, I think it was a D20, and said, okay, count down on the die every time he does something cool. Yeah, that's what you have to roll under. It, your counter goes down for the amount of tricks he has left, and you still have to roll, blah, blah, blah. So it was a uh, poodle check. And <laughs> I don't know if half the table was sober or not, but... I came back to the room that night, just my face hurt from laughing so much. I think it was the most I had laughed in at least the past six months, like all in one game. It was absolutely just one of those experiences that I'm so glad I didn't miss. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. If I had to add one to my list to round it out, um, I can't recall if it was that year or the next. No, it had to be the next year. Uh, David Beatty was running his Carnival of the Dam tournament, and then the very last game of the convention that he ran was Carnival of the Damned, just in you know story mode, basically. And the story and the main antagonist of it just... At one point, you're not even sure if it's the antagonist or the protagonist. And it was just so profound, and yeah, that thing made my list of, this is what I want to run, and I still have not yet done so in that fashion. And it was one of those that just really drove it home that, okay, we can have more than one facet to the game. It doesn't have to always be silly and funny. It can actually be a little serious, but still mean something to the players. And that it turned out to be really awesome. We went through some of the same encounters and, you know, random little tidbits that had been thrown in there, but he had selected everything ahead of time so that it all just kind of worked in a little story pattern. And yeah, it was... For any of you that actually own the module, read the little write-up on running it as part of a campaign or something, because... You totally could. I, re I played that at GaryCon. I think it was the first adventure I played at any GaryCon, if I remember. And <laughs> You um, probably I, played the, mo the uh, tournament mode? I th think that's right. And um, I sat next to Haley Sketch before I had met her, really. So it was the like, first oh. time I had ever met her. And like, her <laughs> character just I was had this halfling and... He was trying to do all kinds of cool... Of course, he just completely died in the <laughs> stupidest ways imaginable, um, and uh, she was laughing the whole time, and then, of course, you know, she won everything and whatever, but um, <laughs> anyway, that was that was pretty fun. Shame about that. Yeah, well, so... Uh, okay, so, um, my, uh, my favorite games, I, I guess they are united by ridiculous judge personalities... Um, no, not a coincidence probably, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, the first one I think was the in at five points, which I think is, so that's a Brendan LaSalle adventure and he's run it a ton of times, 
and I think he's going to publish it in a the annual the annual the annual the you know or the program guide or one of those things that come <laughs> out eventually. So I think that eventually is coming out somewhere. But um, that's really I thought the first half of that was the, some of the creepiest stuff I'd ever seen in an adventure, and that was in a con game, which typically don't get feel that creepy to me, but. Um, uh, and then the last part was just a great crawl type of romp, and we had a blast. Um, then Into the Void, um, also with Brendan, I, I ended up playing in that with some of the guys from my home table, Trevor and I think Trevor and John and Clint, if I recall. At least Clint and Trevor were there, and we took this thing totally off the rails and uh, were abusing patron magic and. Brendan just kind of rolled with it, and you know, every time we did something ridiculous, he just upped the Brendan on us, and <laughs> you know, so it just got it just got spiraled weirder and weirder and way out there, and um, but it just was it was just more and more fun each time we we uh, twisted the dial one more notch. So um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I think that was into the void, if I recall, and then. Uh, and then you know Doug Cons, there were <laughs> just just generally I the stout fellas that we played at uh, I think Gamehole one year. If I had, I mean, there's so many of them that stick in my mind. But the one that w- I think stout fellas must be the funniest because the one we played, we just pulled a bunch of characters off Purple Sorcerer, and Clint ended up with a thief with a three intelligence. And, awesome. and it turned out that we were that he was the Don's son, and so we're all dwarven <clears throat> gangsters, right? We're in this dwarven mafia, and uh, and basically oh, all the fellas. other adventurers, mm-hmm. yeah, all, all the other adventurers are just there to not have the Don's son kill, like fall in a puddle and drown, basically. Like, <laughs> Because he's too dumb to know any better. Because yeah. he's so stupid. And Clint just played it to a T. It was just hysterical. It was like it was practically like watching a movie. I have no recollection of anything my character did or what I played or anything. <laughs> it was just that funny. Um, so I think, but I mean, Catastrophe Island, Punjar, where I circulated tables and I was a crazy violinist who just wanted to make art as the world was ending. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, Rick Spencer must die. That we played a game hole con last year. I mean, that was ridiculous and uh, super fun. Um, yeah, I mean, man, everything we we just had some terrific uh, Doug cons. So I I have to kind of you can't choose amongst your uh, kids like that. That they're all kind of special in their different ways. <laughs> that that is very true. It's difficult to try to. F- pinpoint those most important or the ones that you've had the most fun at. Yeah. But, you know, we're trying to encapsulate it here. You know, again, part of my goal with even putting that survey out there is we see so many new judges coming into the communities with questions of, hey, what should I run? Or what do you guys like to play? So I've figured I'd throw out a little survey and yeah as of the time of this recording we've had 81 people respond so hey thanks yeah thank you for being a little pool here and just to run through a few of these really quick uh 
Surprisingly, the D20 and the D7 took the favorite die types. And again, all of these questions were supposed to be, you know, hey, pertaining to DCC, right? Yeah. How Um, did the D20 beat the D7? The D7 is the best die on the planet. Seriously. Seriously. (laughs) People, you know, it's because people don't believe it actually rolls randomly. When you when you show it to them, they're like, "That's not a die." Oh, that will never give you a rent. But they did start to catch on with the next set of questions. You know, for the favorite die set, we've got Cezarcon Sanguivorous Solids and Ooh, Shauna's well Rare Dice. Shauna, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so yes, uh, little Shauna kitten really should get around tube, right? <laughs> uh, the Crawler's Companion and PurpleSorcerer.com, to the surprise of nobody just swept on the favorite gaming aid and accessory category. Uh, there was a tie for second place in that so far between the uh, DCC judge screen that was put out for free RPG day and the reference booklet, the one that Jeremy Duran put out on lulu.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just an item of note. Um, yes, Rick Hull, thank you for contributing to the survey. You're your DCC RPG chair, the only DCC RPG chair, is of course your favorite accessory. Mm. Um, we're all a little bit jealous. <laughs> it's cushioned, guys. Come on, and portable. All, yeah. all I can say about this category was, if there was another game that had something as great as PurpleSorcerer.com, I might just be playing that game instead because. Oh, it's, nice. It, well, I mean. <laughs> Honestly, it's so awesome. It makes it so easy. I mean, that might be an overstatement, but really, it, you it's hard to overstate what a boon that is for GMs and um, you know, the Crawler's Companion is great for players of course too and also GMs. But uh wow. I mean, that that is a level of support totally free that's pretty unbelievable. Yes, John Marr is incredible. Yes, he's an incredible human being. Uh, To segue into that, the Crawler's Companion and PurpleSorcerer.com won the tally thus far for free product. Just behind them were the Goodman Games free RPG Day releases with the quick start rules in the lead of that. Um, As a point of note... There were a few votes for Spellburn, which Yay. we Ooh. highly appreciate, as well Ooh. as the Sanctum Sequorum Companion, which I found yeah. also a little uh, split loyalty there. Uh, <laughs> and our, our favorite new rule outside of the core books and whatnot, Fleeting Luck just won by a landslide. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and second up in that rule was Shield Shall Be Splintered from Crawl Volume 2. And if you guys haven't looked into it, uh, yeah, there, <laughs> the populace is correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, those are both great rules. Again, yeah. favorite, not best. Yeah. It's all subjective here. And then going through it, there are a couple of other categories as well. We asked everybody what their favorite cover art was. I, I don't think it's terribly surprising that the one that came in first place was the one who watches from below that gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous Doug Kovacs cover. Um, yeah, I know that was my vote. Uh, number two was another Doug Kovacs because duh, uh, Peril on the Purple <laughs> Planet. 
And um, number three, though, is not a Doug Kovacs, so I don't know if that's going to make anybody bristle. Uh, but number three is Peter Mullen's uh, core rules cover for the fourth printing. Uh, all three of those are just mm. stunning, right. stunning works. And with the map, we've got more uh, well-deserved love for Mr. Doug Kovacs. Uh, the first place is Sailors on the Starless Sea. And second place is his Portal Under the Stars, both gorgeous maps. Um, and a noteworthy mention is, I don't know if anybody has seen his gorgeous oh. cross-section of the Warden, of the Starship Warden. Yeah, yes. the- Stunning. And kudos to whoever slipped that in there in the votes. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, to be fair, a lot of the maps and art is going to be Kovacs, especially from the earlier days and, you know, the people just getting into it. That's, you know, come on, Portal Under the Stars, it's in the core book. So it's mm-hmm. what people are exposed to right off the bat. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. But man, that's a revelation when you see that for the first time, you're used to looking at these boring maps and then you're getting the DCC book and you're, oh, here's a sample adventure. What? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. But that warden picture, holy smoke. <laughs> so cool. I'm actually buying property just so I can hang more Kovacs art. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then we have the category of uh, best zine or favorite zine, which is a crowded category because there are so many fantastic zines in our community. Uh, but first place by a landslide was Crawl. And, Again, uh, it's been out since the book came out. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's iconic. You've got it's, the longevity. It's, yes. It's the zine that started them all. It's the zine that launched a, a thousand <laughs> DCC zines. And second place <laughs> is Crawling Under a Broken Moon. Um, nice. Honorable mention is Gong Farmer's Almanac. Yay. That means everybody in the community. Yes. It's my staples in the Gong Farmer's Almanac that make it what it truly is. <laughs> <laughs> And then for best version of the DCC core rulebook, first place favorite. is uh, favorite version of the DCC core rulebook. Thank you, Jen. Uh, first place is fourth printing, various editions. And second place is the second printing with the wizard cover. Mm, that Ooh. is nice. What Would and, you have a differing opinion, Julian? I find, uh, well, I find Doorface, as they call him. To be quite, <laughs> I, to be iconic, you know, because I guess that's kind of the most common, you know. Ah, uh, um, Blue Door. Uh, they were in there. Let me see. Um, actually, two, two votes more for the wizard cover. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. As I consult my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then for be- uh, for favorite monster and favorite adversary, I almost said best again. Um, in first place. Uh, Beast Men from Sailors on the Sailors on the Starless Sea, um, which, for the record, the politically correct term is now Manimal. And- <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> but but should you wish to fight a woman animal, it's totally okay, and we can the, we will arrange. I you know, you both. Full <laughs> time for. <laughs> And our second, oh. our second favorite monster or adversary is the Hound of Hero from Doom of the Savage Kings. Mm, and yes. third place is a tie between T Rex from Frozen in Time and the Mosaic Goblin from Emerald Enchanter. A golem. Oh, the, the Mosaic Golem. Oh, Golem. 
Okay. Yes. That is a classic. Well, they're all they're all pretty classic. And then for favorite deity in first place, probably unsurprisingly, is uh, the great Lord Cthulhu. Uh, second place, which I know this was personally my vote, it's Babugba Bills. Um, Ooh. I love me. Th- I love me that 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 frog patron, that frog I god. Look- Look how you said that. That's pretty Yeah, hard. nicely done. <laughs> well, in my DCC meetup group, we've got a cleric of Bugba Bills. And I'm... <laughs> just <laughs> this to point, screw with you, I'm sure. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue at this point. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. I may not say golem correctly, but I do say Bugba Bills correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you must have listened to the episode where Job said it like five times over and over. You'd have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then third place is the Carnifex from Jewels of Thee and Blades Against Death. Is the Carnifex also in Blades Against Death? I didn't know that. Yes, she is. Oh, yes, cool. and a couple of voters actually uh, listed Blades Against Death as the place they know her from, which oh. I find really interesting. Hmm. hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, just uh, just in order to challenge my tongue-tied <laughs> skills, <laughs> category. Number what well, you can tell we're dealing with a bunch of power gamers because number one is King of Elfland. Mm-hmm. And number of two course. is Boba Bills. Yay! Uh-huh. Yay! Okay, not too bad. No, well um, said. Noteworthy, quote unquote. Somebody said this is Bob's fault, but it's the Carnifex. So again, we have Carnifex with an honorable mention. Uh, disclaimer: That was not me. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> and um, for settings, we had a. Uh, a winner in Purple Planet what seemed to be the survey favorite with a second place tie of Shutter Mountains and Hubris. Nice. And uh, somebody said, Jen's campaign, in quotes, with a smiley emoji. <laughs> so that was, that's very nice. And that wasn't Bob. That, that's really okay. funny. Okay, I, that's good. I, I'm not quite sure who said that, but um, if what do you, he, Jen, it, uh, I suspect he's in Tallahassee, and if next time he comes down, I, I guess I owe him dinner. Uh, <laughs> what do you call your campaign setting, Jen? I never have. I never named it. it oh, was, it has to have a name. It was just the road crew game. People could show up and drop in and not have a character ahead of time or, you know, come and go as they please. So it it never really had it. I was just stringing adventures together in the beginning. Well, yeah, that's the time-honored way to do it. Okay. Well, I think uh <laughs> anyway, think you, should, you should work on a, you know, game of roads or something, you know. <laughs> I want to just call it the road crew game. So this is this cracks me up. People voted adventure to play in. Number one choice, Frozen in Time. Number two choice, Sailors on the Starless Sea. Adventure, adventures to Judge. Flipped them. Number one, Sailors. Number two, Frozen <laughs> in Time. So uh, that's pretty that, hysterical. That was very entertaining. Yes. So a third of the people who played in their first funnel game were not optimally happy, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. But everybody else was, which is pretty good when you think about it. So that's that's good. Adventures third party 
publisher adventures to judge. The first place was Nieben Pendlebrook's Perilous Pantry uh, by Mr. Bishop, Purple Sorcerer, and number two, Carnival of the Damned, uh, no surprise, uh, Mr. Beatty and Purple Sorcerer. Yay! Cool. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, we've gone over a lot of our players' favorites and even some to judge, so... I think maybe we should move it over to Mercurial Magic for some hot judge topics at this point. All my life I've studied the black arts. She was a, a kind of magician. Mercurial Magic. Okay, Mercurial Magic. Now, uh, I know this question is possibly the most uncomfortable for you guys, but... I think it would be helpful for newer judges, especially if we explain why. So, Julian, pop quiz. Most challenging DCC module that you have run to date? It was, it's an easy one. Um, I have to go with Bride of the Black Mance. Uh, okay. It's a lot of fun, obviously. I've run it uh, three times, I think. Three or four times. And... Um, Bride of the Black Mant is, is on a timer. It's designed to be a con game, and it moves to a conclusion at the end of which that has a big dramatic type of climax. I'm not going to go way into spoiler territory here, but um, it is, it's challenging because the timer is always running, and then the uh, adventure itself is a sort of sandboxy haunted mansion type thing that's just full of all these goodies and not very linear. Um, so the adventurers want to go off and explore as rightly they should. And in fact, they need to kind of figure stuff out. But then meanwhile, the clock's ticking and they're being herded to the Dunamont at the very end. And it's a lot to kind of figure out how to fit together and, um, I, I don't. You've done it more than once now. Yeah, and I think I've gotten better each time um, because you know it's it takes a little bit of it's a it's a mystery. Ultimately, it's a mystery in a way. There's a secret at the end of the adventure, and dealing with the big climax, you have to sort of understand what's going on, which is not guaranteed by just running around the mansion. So you have to decide as a judge: Are you going to just go sandbox with it and to hell with them, and let you know <laughs> great great players will figure it out, and bad players won't know what the hell just happened, or are you going to really kind of guide them along and gumshoe them along, if you will, and do that stuff and, you know, really feed them a little bit and keep them on the path. You know, and that doesn't have to be total railroad, but you can definitely be a little more active and and drop some hints and so on. You've run it more than once, so you've obviously learned how to manage it a little better. Yeah, you absolutely do, and uh, you have to decide what you're going to be happy with and what kind, of, how you want to bring it to the players, and what type of uh, player experience you're going to be happy with. Do you want to guide them more, or do you really want to just let them experience it as a complete sandbox adventure? And, uh, you know, so once you make your choice, then whatever happens, whatever they decide to do, and in the end, you should be able to feel satisfied with and happy with. So you have to understand that. You have to be able to manage the countdown to the climax and really master that ending uh, 
the ending encounter um, because there's a big personality there. And uh, if that doesn't go right, it seems kind of, it could seem a little flat if you're not really prepared. So just takes preparation, takes a lot of uh, thinking and a lot of, it's so full, chock full of cool stuff that you go, oh, wow, all these toys, all this cool stuff, you know, hand of glory. uh." But then you get in there and it's like, (laughs) man, I got to put all this together in a, in a, really smart way and and, uh, and then make a, make this kick-ass climax um, work. How about you, Jeff? For me, I would say the more difficult ones have been more about um, fitting them into a four-hour time slot. So, for example, when I ran uh, Dragora's Dungeon or Doom of the Savage Kings, I had to edit a lot out to make it fit into a four-hour slot. Or yeah. the reverse of that would be when I ran The Orm Lies Down in Punjar or the Witch of Woodfield, or the Vile Worm, which are three great adventures I had a lot of fun running, they were also very, very small, and I had to come up with a bunch of supplemental material to kind of make it fit a four-hour slot. So I would say I've had some, some challenges just kind of making sure that I'm, I'm prepared to run a game that's going to fit in my slot, whether it's um, editing stuff out or padding stuff in. Uh, also... There's a, a third-party adventure called Revenge of the Overkobold uh, that I, I had oh, a lot yeah. of fun running. There was one... Pr- I, I noticed there was a big problem with um, a specific mechanic in it, though, so I felt like I needed to kind of rework the mechanic before I could run it because there was, there was a, a point in the adventure where like these hordes of kobolds are coming into this town and they are like destroying it, and you have to kind of determine in which order you're going to deal with these uh, different threats that are happening. And depending on the order in which you deal with them, you get a certain number of points, and then you add those points up, and it shows you just how Jeez. devastated the village is. But Oof. my my brain being the way that it is, I, I decided to kind of figure out like what would be the most optimal order for the characters to run this in if they wanted to run it, if they ended up running it the most optimal way. And in doing so, I discovered that the lowest result you could possibly get was really high on his chart and had the city like in complete devastation. Um, so I was like, hmm, that doesn't that doesn't quite work. For, so I, I spent a lot of time prior to that adventure reworking that particular table. Um, so it depends on what you're what, what we mean by the most challenging. But I would say those were those are the most challenges I've had so far running a game. But you bring up some excellent points, fitting the time slots and everything. Um, you know, when people send me adventures to playtest, I like to do them as part of the road crew so that I get feedback from the players, you know, whether they're the usual crew or new. And if they're brand new players to DCC, that's even better. I I think, you know, give me some hints that I can pass back to the author. And we don't have time slot restraints so much but still with the amount of things going on i mean making of the ghost ring was one that was sent for a play test as was silent nightfall and i played them to the point where okay we have played every single part of this so that we can give the feedback but holy cow that's a lot to wrap my head around but when running a playtest, you just kind of have to roll with that. As running something in an actual game slot, I chose Jewels of the Carnifex to go into the campaign uh, 
at one point. And I admit, I completely nerfed the very first challenge because I didn't want to chance players falling to their death right at the very beginning because it's a campaign. Okay, so moving on, you've still got a lot of stuff going on, and toward the end, you've got this climax where your players might have to choose between two different deities. And the amount of power and force behind one of them, and then one player goes and gives a pop quiz to this poor skeleton using Speak With Dead, and... (laughs) I. It was probably one of the most challenging I've ever run, but in the end, it was also the most rewarding. Now that I'm going more of a sandbox route, I think I've learned from that as well. Let, let's go back to some of our favorites. Um, Julian, what's your favorite funnel to judge? I've run Sailors three times and Frozen in Time once, and I don't think I've ever run any published funnels besides those. Because I think I could do sail. I, there was a time where I thought I could probably do sailors from memory. Um, probably. <laughs> oh, I did run Portal into the Stars. I should say that way back in the day, I did run that once too, and that was perfectly fun, actually. Um, I'd say I, I. Gosh, I would never say that sailors isn't my favorite because it's probably my favorite. I would probably love to come back to that, but at the same time, having only done Frozen in Time once, I, I could definitely. I, you know, gosh, I don't know. It's very hard to pick. One has one has the, I'd love to do it a few more times anyway, and the other one has, it would be like going back to an old friend because it's been like three years already now. Yeah, that's true. It was a rite of passage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes it well, was. And still is for the new people coming in. Yeah. It was the first one I ever ran. Yeah, and what's your favorite? I would say my favorite, and... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start this off with I'm not drawing a firm line in the sand between DCC and MCC. So I will say my favorite funnel <laughs> is Museum at the End of Time. Oh, nice. Okay. I had hmm. yeah, I had a blast running that when I ran. It was it was the very first game that I ran for the DCC NYC meetup group, and I've only run it the one time, but I am slated to run it twice at Gen Con in August, and it's just such a a wild adventure that um there's so much going on. There's so many ways to interact with the story and the adventure. Um, and there's lots and lots of ways to die. <laughs> yeah. Half of those ways are by the hands of your fellow players. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I, I have many funnels I love. Um, I've run quite a few of them at this point, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give mine to Museum at the End of Time. And I think for brevity's sake, I'm going to stick with not in Kansas anymore. Hmm. Yeah. I, I've found it to be really good for people completely new to DCC or people that have been playing for a while, but just, you know, they haven't had the time to take a look through the program guides or nobody's taken the time to run it for them. So it gives them something new and after running it three or four times, it still feels pretty fresh. I just finally have gotten to the point where I don't have to keep referring to the map. <laughs> I've heard I've heard a lot of good stuff about that, but but I haven't played it or even read it or judged it or anything. Yeah, same here. Well, there you go. One more for the list. That's what we should do. We should take sessions like that. We should take 
adventures like that that we've heard so much about, and we should actually judge them without reading them and see how close we get. What do you mean? But Oh. <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> just make up what you think it's probably about on the fly? Yeah, exactly. And then, like, you know. Then have you should have a judge in the room to say how close did I get? You know, based on the cover and a few reviews. You know. <laughs> oh come on, guys! This isn't Black Sun Death Crawl. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which okay might have been my favorite funnel to to play in. Um, okay, so you know we've got a handful of them listed here. Like my favorite low level game to run say between levels one through four i think for me it's a toss-up between attack of the frogs or tower of the black pearl just because either of them are really good as either a one-shot or something that continues in with a continuity of gameplay and i'm going to give my low level award to the wizardarium of calabraxis Ooh, those those head stealing bats just rock my world (laughs) yeah um, I don't know. I went. I was kind of tossing up between Jewels of the Carnifex and um, maybe Croaking Fane. You know, Cro- Carnifex came off better when I ran it because I ran it in two sessions, so it really had plenty of time to kind of develop and everything like yeah. that, which was nicer because I tried to cram Croaking Fane into one like four-hour session that became a five-hour session that became a five-and-a-half-hour session, and it was fun, but... um but yeah time constraints yeah, yeah. Um, so i would say maybe carnifex yeah <laughs> it, um and there's so many things that i have never had a chance to judge you know but um but uh carnifex is really really solid great dungeon crawly classic adventure that has uh cool just a lot of cool stuff that jen alluded to going on at the end and for something fifth level or higher, I don't know if any of us have really gotten a chance to run something like that, have we? Oh yes. I have. I have one on my wish list, but <laughs> I don't think I've actually played a fifth level or run a fifth level adventure. I uh, I play tested the Apocalypse Arc forthcoming for MCC, um, which uh, which is really I think the only published adventure of that level or higher. That I have run, so uh, I guess that wins by default. Although actually, I had a blast. It was really fun. I had a good time, and uh, that might have very well made my list anyway. Um, even if I had more competition, because um, it, it's it's a hoot. Um, really crazy environment in this giant machine trundling through the MCC hothouse jungle and um, all that good stuff. Um, I have actually written myself two high level adventures. So, and one of them for 10th level characters. So, I hate to blow my own horn, haha, as if I hate that. But I will say, um, I had a blast running my 10th level adventure. It was messy and crazy, but um, <laughs> that was pretty cool. I, I had fun with it anyway. And, and the name of it, and the publication date, and, 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 and. Um, it's I I've built it as Cthulhu versus Asmodeus because there's two teams of three that are adventuring um, in the same adventure and they sort of are angling to have their patron win out in the end. I'm a big fan of PvP, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah that shows. <laughs> yes, and um, as far as as its publication date, feel free 
to, if you're listening to me right now, feel free to just email Goodman Games, info at Goodman, well, I don't know, the, you know, some <laughs> something with GoodmanGames.com on it and say, hey, we love that 10th level adventure, guys. And uh, oh. we'll get I there. I love right. that you are just as shameless as the rest of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have, I, I apologize. Beyond the Black Gate is actually a fifth level. I keep thinking it was fourth. Um, oh. I have run that, and the party was a mixed level, and it ended up in a player character ending up uh, bah, bah, taking over for the patron and becoming the patron. Ooh. It, it, it was, yeah, messy. Messy is a good word for it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so now I get to, like, campaigns versus conventions. So what would... If you had to pick one for each of those, where would you go with it? Jeff? Uh, I'm not sure I have a good answer to this one. The DCC games I played, I mentioned before, from my meetup group, they're they're kind of between the two. So um, a, a real proper campaign where we, we pick up where we left off and there's continuity from the end of one adventure to the next is something that I, I I do have some experience with in DCC, but not with any of the published modules. It was all just kind of reskinned sections of certain things or, or completely homebrew. For conventions, I would say it's got to be Elzamon in the Blood Drinking Box, the Black Feather Blade, or the Imperishable Sorceress, one of those three. Uh, they're really fun, and they fit really well in a convention time slot. Very nice. Julian? For campaigns... I'm gonna say Tower of the Black Pearl because uh, the black because the Black Pearl um, does that really can have an impact on a campaign. The end of that. I also found um, Trial of the Toymakers by my old pal Stephen Bean has a really kind of fun little ending that uh, the players can go a lot of different directions with, and uh, again that can have a cool a really cool impact on the campaign. So. Um, as campaign-specific adventures, I think those were really neat. Uh, did I say neat? You okay. did. Oh, gosh. You did, and Hobbs oh, okay. is going to hear it. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, for conventions, uh, I would... Actually, I've had a blast running X-Crawl at conventions, whether it's oh, Dun- yeah. Dungeon Battle Brooklyn or um, Boston Crawl that I ran at Northern Texas. Um, something about just the silliness and the darkness and the bloodthirsty crowd, and I love heckling, and it just kind of fits the milieu of the con game really well. So, um, you know, you know the the weird artifice of being gladiators in a reality show DCC adventure is like the artifice of being. You're just in that thing for a con game in a way, right? Like the four-hour slot, yeah. Yeah, for a really regimented four-hour slot. So, and mm-hmm. and in addition, I will say Boston Crawl fit pretty neatly into the four-hour slot, which I really liked. So, um, it's always so that, helpful. That was a bonus. So, yeah, either of those uh, were were a hoot. How about you, Jen? Picking one is really difficult, but I'm gonna have to go with making of the ghost ring for a campaign setting. Mm. Because by the end of it, uh, you've already taken probably two sessions to get through it, if not more. And you're left with such items that it kind of would fall short if you were just trying to do it for 
a standalone. So I, I think it really pays off to give it that continued play. And I'm going to go with Tower Out of Time for a con slot. It fits the, the four-hour mark, and if you get people sitting at your table who have either played it or run it before, you can pretty much reskin the theming of it on the fly. And I think that is really crucial to keeping it nice and fresh for something for a convention. Um, on that slant for tournament play, I've got to give it to Carnival, hands down. I've never run a DCC tournament, but I have run Carnival of the Damned and the Shambling Undead as just regular um, one-off games, and I did have a blast with both of those. Carnival of the Damned is fantastic. Yes. Any opposition, Julian? Uh, I've only run Death by Nexus as a tournament, and I really had fun. In fact, I, I had I ran it kind of practice mode for my home table before I ran it at Gen Con, and I, I think we might have had more fun at the home table with the same guys just cycling through over and over and trying to kind of outdick each other. Um, <laughs> although nice. the, the con version was fun, but it was a little slow at the table, just getting people in because of the time of day or something and whatever. But we had a good time. Um, but that's the only one I've read, so I, it's hard to have a, any more of a favorite than that. I will say that that is a really crazy game with some really crazy encounters and has a great PvP element that I really enjoyed. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah. I feel like it might be my favorite anyway, but... Um, <laughs> But I've, I've only got the one. Okay. Um, we have down here uh, the favorite game that is family-friendly. The Meat Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But, um, I, but my answer is actually not far from there, though, because the only one I have ever run for any, any young people is The Shambling Undead, and it works really well. Uh, on the surface, it seems like it probably shouldn't be a family-friendly game, but it totally is. <laughs> And Julia? Uh, I um, I wouldn't, if I really thought it was family friendly, I wouldn't judge it or probably <laughs> play it. And, All right. Uh, yeah. Cool, because I've got two answers for this one. I can go with Not in Kansas Anymore or Theater of the Hammed. Mm. By, oh. Which, I, the feeling of that, it's very... I, I don't want to say overly fantastical, but there's some really cool stuff going on in there that everybody can get behind. It, it no, it, and it has a really fairy tale type element to it, right? It does. It ended up putting an interesting quirk into the campaign Red Crew games, but <laughs> yeah, but it was actually really fun. Okay, so we had people listing their favorite monsters or villains uh what's your favorite villain or even npc to portray out of all of these modules cesar khan <laughs> jeff the flying talking book from the wizardarium of calabraxis i had so much fun playing the okay character. how about you and i'm gonna go with uh one that's a little bit newer i'm gonna go with nawia who is the hag from Escape from the Shrouded Fen. Mm. Mm. And, all right, Julian, this question is kind of for you. What's your favorite non-DCC module to convert to DCC? Oh, well, I've, um, why for me? I've, the, I've really only done this once with Keep on the Borderlands. 
which was fun. I've also done it exactly one time, and I did it with um, the Northwind Adventures Beneath the Comet for Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. And it's a really fun game that lends itself really well to DCC. Um, the exception being that the Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea rule setting and the DCC rule setting have very different um, hit point thresholds. So almost everything in the Beneath the Comet has like 60 hit points. So <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of needing to like scale back stuff considerably to make it work with DCC. Uh, but the adventure itself, I think, lends itself really well. Very cool. Well, interestingly enough, in the poll we sent out for our fans and DCC fans in general, uh, there was a tie on the favorite non-DCC product between Barrel Maze and Keep on the Borderlands. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh, Now, I've not done it, but given the choice, I would be all over Swordfish Islands. And they're included in the four-way tie for second place. No joke. White Plume Mountain, Star Mm -hmm. Wars, Swordfish Islands, and Red and Pleasant Land all scored the same number of votes in our little poll here. Mm. Do you recall how many votes you needed to land in your four-way tie? Uh, Two. Okay. Four apiece for Barrow Maze and Keep on the Borderlands, again, out of 81 possible answers. <laughs> and yeah, nice. a lot of, a lot of uh, generalities or singular votes. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh, okay, so I've got two more here. First off, for us, what's that one you've been dying to run, Julian? Well, I I have a few things. A, I really, really want to get my hands on Lankmar, probably from, but for the, <laughs> for the rules, as much as anything in the setting. And I just, I want to do the city adventure. I want to have the fleeting luck. I want to have it be like that. I just want to do that. Anyway, sorry. Um, grandma needs Lankmar. So, okay. Um, Specifically, stuff I've been dying to run. I'm a little bit obsessed with um, Grimtooth's Museum of Death mm. because I think just the carnage, the raw carnage, and seems really fun to me. And then, oh, yeah. but I've also been kind of thinking, eventually pouring my little home campaign that we've been on hiatus for six months or something, but getting them into the journey to the center of Earth and. Mm. Uh, so I've been I haven't even cracked that yet but I just keep looking at it going oh yes I'm coming back I'm coming for you soon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jeff. For me it's um I, I have I'm going to cheat I have two answers but I'll keep it brief. So the first time that I did anything with DCC was back in 2012 or 2013 when I got roped into running Sailors on the Starless Sea. I didn't know the rule system. <laughs> roped into. <laughs> And the um, and a friend of mine set it up online and didn't really cap the attendance. So suddenly here I am, never having played this game before, and I'm running it for a group of 18 people. <laughs> it was a, it was insane. And um, so I would love to go back and run it again, knowing what I know now, because uh, I have not run it since that one time I ran it back in 2012, 2013. And my other answer is um, one that I have a lot of shame around. I have not read, played in, or run this very iconic game, uh, which is The One Who Watches From Below. 
I haven't done anything with it, and I keep hearing it's how amazing it is, and it's a gorgeous book. I just need to crack it open and run it for my group soon. I played an abbreviated version of it in a con that Joe ran, and cool. did that before I ran it on my own, which was good. Uh, I still wasn't fully prepared for the ending, so brace yourself for a lot of chaos. That's all I'm going to say. Um, for the... Oh man, the ones I've been dying to run, I would... L- Again, I go back to Carnival. I want to run it in story mode. I would give my left arm to be able to run Music of the Spheres as Chaos in its entirety, as opposed to the little snippets of playtests that I've been doing for Harley, like eight or nine sessions. And... Honestly, the Atomic Overlord, Mm. against the Atomic Overlord, I think would probably take three nights to get through. It's one of those things where if I had the possibility of having a voice at night after hours at Gen Con, I would just do it there. And then I'd probably be persuaded to run Lankmar instead, and so it would all just kind of be aborted anyway. (laughs) So... (laughs) You could, you could uh, it's a city game, you could just kind of move it to a post-apocalyptic Lankmar with fleeting luck. Uh, no. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually going to say no on that one. <laughs> and, and run it on Spellburn for me and Jeff and a few guests. It would be great. Yes. I'd rather run one or the other, but probably Lankmar. <laughs> um. Okay. So okay. well, okay. So um, yeah, I, I'll sign up for that. In, 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 in insert <laughs> expletive here. I don't want Jeff to have to bleep too much here. Um, so on that topic, most anticipated release. Do we really need the peanut gallery on this one? Um, from the fan picks, Lankmar way above and beyond everything else, followed by Dying Earth and the American Survival Guide. And one one person that slipped in, am I supposed to answer the annual? <laughs> yeah, so, right. I, I'm not sure who that was, but I really love that answer. And for those who did not actually see the survey, it's worth mentioning that it's most anticipated release, not including Mutant Crawl Classics. In case anybody's listening and being like, wait, really? Well, yeah. No, nobody voted for Mutant Crawl Classics? Well, yeah. <laughs> No, there were still a few people who answered MCC, even though I said, you know, ex- excluding MCC. Mm. But it, I'm sure they're the same people that don't read their emails before mm. responding. I, we've all been guilty of it from one time or another. Um, if anybody has anything else they want to put in, now would be the time. Otherwise, we're going to see if there's any new iTunes reviews. Yeah, our most recent one is from June 13th from Soul Cather 78 and it says, Five stars, everything you need to get started and excited about Dungeon Crawl Classics. The Judges J help clarify some of the more nebulous parts of the game and provide an opportunity to get to know the writers and designers. So thank you. Aww. Mm, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very awesome. So please leave us a review on iTunes and... And, and follow us on Twitter and and do all of that social media stuff. Actually, I think we're only on Twitter, right? <laughs> um, you can email us at theband at spellburn.com or find us individually on all those networky places. Uh, yeah, we're real technical here. But most importantly, what, what should they do, Jen? Well, maybe they should go to 
any-awards.com and do a little voting there. Yay! Voting is live through July 21st, 2017, as our little caveat there. And, you know, we'll revisit some of these survey answers later on. I'm going to keep this poll up and keep the community interested in this. There's also an option after you fill in your own answers to check and see what other people have said about it. And it'll give you the option to change some of your answers if you'd like. So thanks again to everyone who participated in that. And yes, please go vote for Spellburn as the best podcast as much as we grind our teeth against that word best. (laughs) We're happy with being your favorite, but if you can tell us we're the best and we can find that out Friday night at Gen Con, that would probably be the best night ever, you know, at least for another year. So... (laughs) I, I totally disagree with this shameless shilling for these meaningless awards, but I do enthusiastically entreat you to uh, <laughs> you know, do the right thing should you feel moved to vote for us. I think uh, it it behooves you um, to aid us in our en- endeavor. Um, to, uh, anyway, so you get the you get the idea. Yeah, go on and vote for us. It's cool. <laughs> That's probably enough prattle from us. So thank you again to everyone for listening and for voting and for voting after you hear this. And uh, any famous last words for our listeners? Why, any famous last words for our listeners? Um, Any. I will just say uh, thanks for listening, guys. Game on. And we'll hope to see you in Gen Con. The countdown is now at what? About... um, Six weeks, something like that. Um, just um, no, just over five. a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't wait. So game on, and we'll see you there. Yes, and I I really feel the need to re-invoke the words of Judge Jim: Never split the party unless the party is already split. You've been listening to Spellburn, copyright 2017. Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com. <laughs> <laughs>